The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the fourth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth, and he made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. When Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. Jesus retreated. He heard that John the Baptist had been arrested, thought to himself, man, this stuff is getting real, and he retreated. I love little gems like this in Scripture, in our Holy Bible, that show us Jesus as a real person, truly human. I love it when I discover or rediscover them, because all too often we gloss over them, skim past them on our way to reading about Jesus' many miracles and heroic teachings. But gems like these are just as real, just as true, just as wonderful because they remind us that in Jesus, we have one who knows completely the struggles that we face. Jesus was afraid. Jesus needed a moment, some time to regroup, to make a plan, to remind himself of his mission, his calling, and the context of all of this is important, too. 
Because directly prior to our reading, Jesus had been first baptized by John and then tempted by the devil in the wilderness. Which means that up until this point, Jesus hasn't really officially started his ministry yet. He's been watching from the sidelines as John the Baptist has been the one doing the preaching and the baptizing. And now all of that preaching and baptizing has landed John in prison, not a place any of us are clamoring to end up. And so I wonder how worried and afraid Jesus was when he heard of John's arrest. Was he surprised, caught off guard? I would guess that he was sad for his cousin, grieving a world that would put an honest man like John behind bars for so little. I would guess that he was thinking a little bit of his own future, envisioning whether he might face a similar end. And I would guess that he felt a little lonely Because up until this point, it was just the two of them. And now he finds himself on the outside, and John is on the inside in prison, locked up, confined. And this means that now Jesus' moment has arrived. Now it was up to him to carry on the torch. And so he left. He retreated. It's also important to pay attention not just to the context of this story, but to where Jesus goes. Geography is always important in Scripture. Because this good Jewish boy of Davidic descent leaves Nazareth for Gentile territory. He goes to a land far from Jerusalem geographically and far from Jerusalem culturally, and some would say far from Jerusalem theologically and spiritually and in so many other ways as well. He goes to live in the midst of those who are quite a bit different from him. Now Matthew here mentions the ancient tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali, whose names at this point in the story in Matthew have long gone unuttered. We hear a little bit about them in our Old Testament reading for the day. But for those of you who aren't familiar, these two tribal kingdoms, Zebulun and Naphtali, fell around 700 years before Jesus' arrival on the scene. They were some of the first tribes to fall to the Assyrians, the invaders. They were some of the first tribes to face capture, to face exile, to face occupation by a foreign power. And our gospel says of them, in quoting the prophet Isaiah, that these are the people who have sat in darkness. These are the people who have sat in the region in shadow of death. But then the prophet proclaims that they will see a great light. And that light will dawn upon them. These are the people that Jesus retreats to and goes to be with. In a community where many foreigners are still there, where there's more intermixing between Jews and Gentiles. And here in this community, it doesn't take Jesus long to decide that he is ready 
Amongst these people, in verse 17 of this fourth chapter of Matthew's Gospel, we are witness to the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. He begins to proclaim in verse 17 his very first sermon, his words of truth and of grace that God the Father has given him, and these are the words he says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's not a grand utterance. It's nothing flashy. It's not poetic. It's not a parable. It's not eloquently offered. It's simple. It's short. It's to the point. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. I wonder if he was scared the first time he said it. I wonder if his worries for John the Baptist preoccupied his mind. I wonder if he already knew what controversy such a simple proclamation would evoke. There's a new kingdom, and it's coming. This kingdom doesn't belong to Herod. It doesn't belong to Caesar. It doesn't operate by their rules. It doesn't play their games. It exists independent of them and of all worldly power. No matter how many people they lock up, shut down, or silence. It's the real kingdom, and it's coming. It's the proclamation of this simple promise that landed John in prison. Remember, he had a similar message repent, the kingdom is coming. And it's the proclamation of this simple promise that will eventually land Jesus in prison as well. It's the proclamation of this simple promise that will do the same to countless others down the line and throughout history. Because to utter such words risks one's reputation. To utter such words risks one's safety and well-being. To utter such words risks one's livelihood, contacts, connections, relationships, and just about darn near everything. And it's a lot to think about, taking on such an endeavor, making such a proclamation. It's enough to make one want to retreat rather than to move forward. There's one thing, though, that provides an immense amount of comfort, of help, of support, of encouragement, of hope. Look again in your scripture at verses 18 to 21. As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And they left their nets, and they followed him. And from going there, he saw two more brothers, James and John, in the boat with their father, Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Usually, when we read this passage, we skip right to the calling of the disciples. But I think it's important to hold the whole of this reading together. Because what it lifts up for us is that Jesus needed friends. Jesus needed backup. Jesus, just like us, needed someone to stand with him, to encourage him, to inspire him, to remind him of his purpose, to remind him of the good news which he came to proclaim. 
And in Peter, Andrew, James, and John, he finds just this blessed and amazing gift. And no, it's not perfect. We know what bumbling fools these fellows turn out to be. We remember those stories of the many times that they got it wrong. But in the end, they will find themselves where John the Baptist found himself, where Jesus found himself. In the end, they will make their way forward. They will be forged not just as disciples, not just as followers, but also as proclaimers, as preachers of this very same good news which Jesus came to bring, telling everyone about this new kingdom and dealing with the consequences of that oh-so-risky proclamation. These fishermen from backwater Capernaum-by-the-sea, the former land of Zebulun and Naphtali, these defeated and forgotten people living amongst Gentiles, barely scraping together a living, unaware of the scholars and the scribes and the rich and the important in Jerusalem, these exceptionarily ordinary people living completely ordinary lives are called by God to do extraordinary things. It's no surprise that they might bumble a bit. It's no surprise that they will struggle with their fear about their mission. It's no surprise that they will retreat from the gospel as they worry about what it might cost them, for it will. But Jesus did that too. And it makes me wonder if Jesus ever shared with them the story of how he landed in Capernaum in the first place. If he ever told them about the fears and the doubts that led him to this place so far away from home? I'm guessing that he did. I'm guessing that they knew. I'm guessing that it gave them strength. Nelson Mandela, another man who knew prison life far too well, said these profound words about his many years in prison. He said, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. Verses 22 and 23 of our gospel say this. Immediately the disciples left the boat and even their father, and they followed him. And when they did that, when they united with Jesus, when Jesus had these first few followers, these disciples, look what happens. Verse 23, and Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, curing every disease and every sickness. With a common mission to follow God and good friends at our side, There is very little that cannot be accomplished. We walk with one another on this journey to proclaim, to invoke, and to live into that new kingdom. And we follow one who has shown us the way, one who calls us right where we are, in the middle of the everyday things of our lives, and says to us, it's okay if you're afraid. It's okay if you need some time. It's okay if you make a mistake, but nonetheless, I need you. I need friends. I need supporters. I need disciples, everyday people like you who can see what I am about, 
who can see my kingdom in the midst of the shadow kingdoms of this wayward world, who can proclaim in whatever fashion that all might hear and know the good news that I have come to bring light in the midst of darkness, that I have come to make all things new. Amen.